The purpose of this activity is to expand the reach of chest content through awareness, critique, and discussion. All articles have undergone peer review for methodological rigor and audience relevance. Any views asserted are those of the speakers and are not endorsed by chest. Listeners should be aware that speakers' opinions may vary and are advised to read the full corresponding journal articles for complete context. This content should not be used as a basis for medical advice or treatment, nor should it substitute the judgment used by clinicians in the practice of evidence-based medicine. Well, hello, and welcome to the Chess Journal Podcast, where each month we host a discussion with the authors of important articles from the current issue of the journal, adding context and commentary to the challenges facing clinicians in the fields of pulmonary, critical care, and sleep medicine. To introduce today's topic, here's your host, Dr. Gretchen Winter. On behalf of Chess, I would like to welcome you to this Chest Journal podcast. I'm Dr. Gretchen Winter, and I am your Chest podcast host. Thank you all for joining us today for what will be an interesting discussion of self-proning in patients with COVID-19. We're very fortunate today to have Dr. Garrett Rampon and Dr. Nicholas Bosch as our guests. They wrote an article for the Chest Journal, Smartphone-Guided Self-Prone Positioning Versus Usual Care and non-intubated hospital ward patients with COVID-19, a pragmatic randomized clinical trial. And Dr. Rampon is an assistant professor of pulmonary and critical care medicine at the University of Missouri in Kansas City at University Health Hospital. His interests include acute lung injury, critical care outcomes, and lung cancer. And his social interests include learning about wine and supporting the sporting Kansas City MLS soccer team. Now, Dr. Bosch is the PI of the APEX-19 study and is a health services researcher, epidemiologist, and pulmonary and critical care physician at Boston University School of Medicine and Boston Medical Center. His research focuses on leveraging variation in care and quasi-experimental designs to improve outcomes for critically ill patients with sepsis and acute respiratory failure. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Winter. It's, it's very much a pleasure to be here. I'm really excited for this today. Thank you. Looking forward to the discussion. Absolutely. So this is certainly a timely study, and the technology adds a bit of a modern flair to it as well. Can you start by telling us why did you decide to research specifically this? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think a lot of us were in the same boat at the start of the pandemic, not really knowing what outcomes were going to be and really worried about judicious application of limited hospital resources, including our ventilators and ICU beds. Uh, I know both Nick and I had started uh, the foundations of uh, awake prone positioning studies at our respective institutions uh, and heard through the grapevine of others doing the same. Uh, when I talked about it with my mentor at KU, uh, Steve Simpson, he tweeted out uh, our interest, and we received uh, over 90 responses of people who were interested in doing a combined study. So we knew there was plenty of interest out there. We know a lot of people uh, had started to use uh, prone positioning in patients on high-flow nasal cannula and non-invasive positive pressure, uh, but we felt we really wanted to push the envelope and, and see taking it to the extreme patients on very low levels of oxygen would awake prone positioning and would giving those recommendations to them help uh, provide benefits. Uh, and we wanted to add that modern flair with the hands-off study by using uh, as much as we could all electronic communication 
with the patients to recruit them, get consent done, and do all of our uh, therapeutic recommendations through phone to really give a hands-off approach uh, to conserve our resources with PPE and avoid contact with COVID uh, patients at the start of it. And can you please discuss your study design briefly? Sure. So this is uh, Nick Bosch. So this was a, a multi-center international uh, Bayesian adaptive pragmatic uh, trial. And uh, what that meant, uh, what that means is that we uh, initially randomized patients to receive a recommendation to self-prone via their smartphone versus usual care. Um, and as time went along, uh, our uh, randomization sequence and the number of patients randomized to each arm changed as we accrued information about how the patients in each of those arms were doing. And the benefit of that is to, uh, by the end of the study period, you've hopefully been able to measure both the implementation and effectiveness um, at, the, at the same time. So there's been a lot of discussion around self-proning in the last couple of years. What are some of the potential or documented risks and benefits of it? Yeah, sure. I think, in generally speaking, I, I think all of the risks are going to be similar to those of, of proning our traditional ICU patients, but a lot, a lot lower risks. So we know some of the risks that come from Gattatoni or Guerin's uh, early studies in the early 2000s, looking at this, including things like endotracheal tube dislodgement or skin ulceration. But since our patients are awake, they can move spontaneously, uh, they're not on mechanical ventilation, those risks really don't uh, exist there. Uh, there's always a risk that they could have a dislodgement of uh, a catheter or an IV uh, while they're automatically turning themselves, and that's certainly a risk. Uh, and probably the most concerning one would be if, if these patients are going to go on to require intubation regardless, there is the risk that keeping them in a prone position may delay that intubation and, and predispose them for having higher risk intubations at the, at the time that that decision is made. And what did you find regarding patients' adherence to prone positioning in these different groups? Great question. I think uh, our study was looking at randomization to um, a recommendation to self-prone positioning. So there were just kind of two levels here, both the prone positioning itself and then whether or not the patients were able to, to access and follow uh, the recommendations that were sent to them via the smartphone. So we found that about uh, 60 to 70% of patients in both treatment arms were able to, to access the smartphone uh, intervention or instructions in the usual care group. Um, and among those, high rates of patients um, in both groups attempted prone positioning. And we did not restrict prone positioning in the usual care group. Um, what we did find, though, however, that the amount of uh, the number of patients who prone for what we thought was kind of the, the minimally significant duration of prone positioning of, of six hours um, suggested by previous literature, that rate was low. So about um, a third of patients in the intervention arm and about 10% in the control arm um, prone position for at least six hours. So what was your primary outcome and what results did you find on it? Uh, sure. So we were looking to see if prone positioning in this less severely ill um, group of patients could uh, prevent the progression of respiratory deterioration. So our outcome was this composite of respiratory deterioration that we defined as 
um, escalation in nasal cannula use by at least two liters per minute of flow rate or escalation to a higher um, uh, level of, of oxygen support, so high flow nasal cannula, non-invasive ventilation, et cetera, and then, or transfer to the ICU. And um, for our main primary outcome, we found no difference between the two treatment groups uh, using Bayesian analysis, the posterior probability of superiority in the intervention arm was 72%. We did find um, a potential signal for um, in the uh, 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 per protocol analysis. So looking at patients who prone for at least six hours in the proning group and compared to patients who did not prone at all in the control group, it looks like there was a 91% posterior probability of superiority in the self-prone positioning. But that result is is um, likely highly confounded uh, because it's not the intention to treat now. So as discussed earlier, there are potential risks of self-proning. What did you find regarding adverse outcomes? Uh, sure. So that uh, was the results from the adverse events were encouraging. So overall, adverse events in the prone position group were um, just over 10 percent and about 25 percent in the usual care arm. And the adverse events we were measuring were um, uh, uh, being very uncomfortable with uh, positioning and then loss of venous catheter or urinary catheter. And um, for all those outcomes, there were more adverse events in the usual care arm compared to the self-prone positioning arm. And then we also found that dyspnea scores, uh, which wasn't an adverse event, but I, th I think of it somewhat in the same sense, were similar between groups. That certainly is encouraging. Now, unfortunately, this trial did not show that the intervention improved outcomes. So can you discuss some of the reasons why you think that might be? Is the intervention of self-proning itself ineffective, or were patients not following the recommended intervention? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Unfortunately, it is uh, pretty difficult to answer with the data that we do have uh, because both of those are intertwined in our study. Uh, you know, we did our best to vet these patients by making sure that uh, they had working cell phones and chargers at the beginning of the study. Uh, and the instructions were vetted by ecological momentary assessment experts who have had pretty extensive use uh, of these smartphone-based instructions and surveys before. Uh, but we were still pretty disappointed uh, in the rates of response responses that we had. Uh, there may be a few things for this. You know, this could be related to overall sickness and unwillingness to participate. I think some of these prior studies using smartphones were uh, more outpatients or not quite as sick. And maybe when they're in the hospital getting really acutely ill, they just stop participating with it. Uh, and But we also know that prone positioning is pretty uncomfortable for sustained long periods of time, and that could play a role in it. Um, there's always a chance that there were some technical issues with instructions, you know, Wi-Fi kicking uh, patients off or them not being able to access the information. Uh, so it's probably uh, a combination of all of these. So why do you think that there were low adherence rates with this study when other studies of other smartphone-based interventions have actually shown higher rates of adherence? Yeah, I think that uh, there's a, a combination of factors here. Um, one is that this was studying uh, a population that was sick, feeling unwell, um, likely very anxious and worried about their diagnosis, especially early in the COVID-19 pandemic. Compare that to um, many studies using smartphone-based um, 
measures. I think we're looking at a, uh, we had a patient population that was really just less interested in, in uh, participating, even if they had signed up to um, enroll in the trial. I think some of the other issues is that we were asking patients to perform a maneuver while connected to tubing and not necessarily with the nurse present at the bedside with the patient. So I think compared to other smartphone intervention trials where the ask may be to to take a pill or do something else that was a relatively low-risk procedure, even though we felt that self-proning was low-risk for these patients, I think the patients probably felt that there were some risks and, and weren't maybe willing to do uh, that without some supervision. And then I think uh, uh, last, um, other smartphone-based studies often ask someone to, to fill out a survey similar to what we did, but I think just having an intervention there where it wasn't just filling out a survey, it was also asking the patient to um, really uh, uh, be active in their care probably made um, the, the threshold to, to participate once they were enrolled was higher. And what were some of the limitations of this study? Sure. I think the biggest uh, limitation for us was we terminated recruitment early um, because of uh, being unable to identify patients for um, enrollment. As many studies, I think, um, had as the COVID-19 pandemic waned um, right in early 2021. Um, I think the other big limitation is realizing that our intervention wasn't self-prone positioning itself. It was uh, a recommendation to self-prone position. So the, the results should be uh, interpreted not that self-prone positioning or that awake-prone positioning are ineffective, but that the delivery of instructions to self-prone positioning via smartphone uh, is ineffective. And I think although those are slightly different from each other, that's an important limitation and distinction to make when interpreting our results. Agreed. So as we finish up this discussion, can each of you please give our listeners a closing thought on what you want them to take away from this podcast? Dr. Bosch? Uh, sure. I think the takeaway from the podcast and the takeaway from the study for me is that um, delivering uh, a recommendation for patients who are critically ill or hospitalized and ill um, to do a, an intervention that they initiate themselves um, may not be the the best way to try to intervene for patients. And I think I would also like them to take away that we really don't know from our results whether self-prone positioning in this patient population is effective, um, and we need to have our results informed by other studies uh, that have previously been conducted and and, uh, a meta-analysis that we were involved in about the effectiveness of awake-prone positioning. And Dr. Rampon? I agree with Dr. Bosch quite a bit there that I think there is a need for ongoing qualitative studies so that we can better understand what the reasons were for a lack of adherence and participation uh, in this type of situation. Uh, but the the low-hanging fruit and what, what we really sought to seek with this very pragmatic trial is if, if we're seeing patients and we give them a recommendation to prone on their own, the, that intervention alone is probably going to fail. And it, it quite probably has has something to do with their ability to participate and do it on their own when we compare it to trials like Ehrman's trial that uh, recruited many patients uh, across the general ward and intermediate care ward. Uh, those interventions were assisted prone positioning with nurses or respiratory therapists, and that, that could be the deciding factor that leads to this. Uh, you know, alternatively, it could be they just had sicker patients uh, and that those on 
heated high flow or NIPPV are the ones who need the prone positioning. So I think there's still work uh, for us as a community to do to figure out who are these patients who are going to benefit the most. Well, I would like to thank both Drs. Rampon and Bosch for a great discussion. And a big thank you to our chess community, as always, for joining us. I'm Gretchen Winter, and this is a chess podcast. Until next time.